Father, because we've been through some of these things together. Father, we just ask that you speak to us tonight and help us. Uh, we lift up your name, O oh God. Your name is above all names. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to do tonight is to share some things that you may want to look into your own personal life and, and, and decide what's really going on here. It's so important that you know what's happening. I think in the Western world, we are so ignorant of some of these things that we let these things go on for so long and we are suffering in the dark. And the reason I'm sharing what I'm sharing with you is to expose the enemy. Remember I said, light comes before order. This is just the way it is. You get life, light, and then you have order. You can't have order without light. And I said the other day, you can't come into this dark room, and I'll tell you, put the room in order if there's chaos. And I said, well, put the room in order in darkness. You can't do it. You need light. And that's why God created light first. When God created the world, there was chaos. There was all, you know, with no form. But then God spoke first thing, let there be light. So light be, it, you know, precedes order. That's why Jesus said, he is that light that lights every man that comes into the world. So the light, light of God is so important. And light is also knowledge. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. As long as you don't know the truth, you are still in darkness. But as soon as you get a hold of the truth, you comprehend the truth, and you accept the truth, there is no devil that can hold you down. Nothing can hold you down. It's the truth. Once you know the truth, even God, he can hold you down. It's just truth. When you are walking with the truth, not even God can hold you down. You remember when the word says the world was all of one speech? And one mind, and they were building this tower that was against God's will, and God couldn't stop it. The only way to stop it is to bring disunity among them. Because there is a truth in that. There is strength in unity. And so once you are in agreement, nobody can stop you. So what the devil does is to bring disagreement between husband and wife. Can I hear an amen? And then he brings the family down. He brings the family, that's a wrong amen, right? <laughs> he brings the family down through confusion. He does that with churches. He knows the church can be something, but he brings confusion maybe through one individual. They're divided, and he brings them down. So that's the truth. So tonight, I want to share some of the things that you want to watch in your life. And then what I need you to do is this. Ask, sometimes when you're blinded, ask somebody. If you suspect, ask. Because when you are going through it, you are not even aware of it. Everyone can see it, okay? That there is a problem here, but you are not aware of it. So I'm going to be giving out some, of, some signs that you can look at. If this is in your life, or you suspect, ask somebody who is close. Be honest with me. You understand what I'm saying? Be honest with me. And when you're honest with, with yourself and before God... It's so easy. We're going to go into how to free yourself and free others from from demonic oppression. Because Jesus came 
He was anointed of the Holy Ghost. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. And the same Holy Spirit is here today, and he's anointed his servants, including you, to free people from satanic oppression. Amen? Now, the first thing I want to talk about is groundless fears. Groundless fears. Fear of failure for no reason. You know, you've always lived with that. Guess what happens to your life? Failure. It may be generational, whatever it is. If you have groundless fears, you've got to try to conquer it. You need to go to God to help you conquer it. I don't like Christian saying, I have, saying, I have a fear of flying. Well, why are others flying and you can't fly? Why are you suddenly afraid of water? Everyone is not afraid of water. It's, on, it's not natural. If it's not natural, it doesn't make sense. Guess what's behind it? There is a demonic force. Some Christians are afraid of dark places, you know. If it's dark, they're panting and really worried. Guess what's going on? You're oppressed. That's not a normal thing. You may say he runs in the family. It's not generational. It's not normal. And the Bible tells us in, in um, Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to quote it, uh, verse uh, 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So if you are afraid, guess what you have? You have the spirit of bondage. You have a spirit. That's why you are afraid. If you are a Christian, you shouldn't be afraid of anything. You should not be afraid of height. You should be afraid of nothing. If you are afraid, it's just natural caution because you don't want to hurt yourself. But if you're just afraid for no reason because this has been something in your life for years, you need to seek deliverance. Something is not right. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So your mind should be sound. You can reason through a problem and not be afraid. Now, I know when problems come and you hear something, there is the natural fear, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, you understand what I'm saying? That's not what I'm talking about. But all these phobias that don't make sense is a clear indication that you are being oppressed. And if you don't break it, guess what's going to happen to your children? They also have the same kind of fear. It just runs in the family. No, you need to deal with it. Groundless fears don't make sense. You have a spirit behind it. Remember two scriptures saying, God did not give you the spirit of fear. We have not received the spirit of fear. So if you have fear, you have a spirit. And it's called the spirit of fear. And that spirit is expressing himself through your life in fear. And remember this, what you fear will what? Come to you. Fear is the opposite of faith. And if it's prevalent in your life and you keep speaking it, those things that you fear, you will actually attract. They will come to your life. So if there is fear in your life in any area, fear that, you know, maybe when I get old, something, whatever that kind of fear is, if it's not normal for you to be having that kind of fear, suspect a demonic spirit speaking to you. The more you give into it, the more he holds you in bondage. 
but God is giving us the spirit of liberty. Amen? So that's one thing. The second thing is stubbornness. Stubbornness. Stubbornness is not ordinary. It's a, 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 a murderous spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? If it starts with a child, a young person, usually they don't listen to mama or daddy. Guess what happens to them? Some of them get, they end up in an, on an, an electric chair because they won't listen. The spirit started back there and they're not listening. Don't want to listen to mama. Don't want to listen to daddy. Pastor doesn't make sense. They don't care. You are on the road to destruction. Nobody's going to help you. I don't care if somebody don't listen to me. I know what's going on. <laughs> I know what's going on. I, the thing is to pray. It, it had nothing to prove to you. If you're not listening to the person God has put over your life, they don't mean anything to you. Their words don't mean anything to you. The reason is not you. There is a demonic force there that is guarding a hold of your life. And when he's through with you, he's going to destroy you. He's going to destroy his spirit. Stubbornness is a spirit. It starts by you hearing something and deflecting it. Don't apply to me. Apply to these other guys. It's so simple. But finally, he'll take a hold of your life and he's going to destroy you. It blinds you. Christians need to be aware of it. You know, the Bible says for children, it says, listen to your parents. If you don't listen to your parents, you'll die the death. Simple. Why? Because a demonic spirit will take over your life. That will transfer from your parents to your spiritual leader, and you don't listen to anybody. You're going to do your own thing, and you're going to die. Let me show you scriptures, okay? When you hear a word of God or a word of warning, don't deflect it. Because what happens at that point, it comes into your life, stubbornness begins, and that's also a manifestation of hardness of heart. Simple. Nobody's going to talk to you. It's a manifestation of hardness of heart. The word of God don't mean you go to church, you sing with them, but you're not going to do what's right. And nobody can talk to you. If they talk to you, you get mad. And you have your own little theology because you're going to destroy yourself. It's as a result of stubbornness. Let me give you three examples. There is Ophini and Phineas. They are sons of Eli. And you read that in First Samuel chapter 1, 2, 3. Go back there. The Bible says these guys didn't care anything about God. They were in church. They were ministers. But they were doing their own thing. They didn't care about it, about what was happening. They were doing their things. Why I've used the word stubbornness, the Bible talked about other manifestations in their lives. They were sleeping with the women that came to church outside the gate. Right before the very tabernacle of God. They could care less. A prophet spoke to the father and said, look. Your kids are jumping on God's uh, sacrifices because they'll forcefully take what's supposed to be for God for themselves. He didn't mean anything to them. The father spoke to them and said, look, what you're doing is not good. 
what you're doing is really evil. You are making Israel to sin. They don't even want to go to church anymore because of what you're doing. The, guy, the father said, if a man sins against a man, maybe God will intercede to help you. But if you sin against God, who's going to intercede for you? Who's going to help you? But he says, the young men would not listen because God has said to his mind, I'm going to kill them. Both of them in the same day. And you know why? He says, they were sons of Belial. You know what that means? They were not children of God. They had an evil spirit in them. That's what he's saying. Sons of Belial. And so they didn't care. Both of them died one day. And they had acted so poorly, God was willing for the enemy to take his ark away from the children of Israel because they were the leaders then. That's how dangerous this is. Then there is another one which we want to talk about. I want to talk about is Judas. You know Judas? Many of you don't, many of us don't think Judas was stubborn. But you know how many times Jesus tried to warn Judas? Thank you. I guess you can't hold back. You're right. This guy wouldn't listen. He had his own way. He was determined. He had his heart fixed. What he wanted to do. And nobody would talk to him. Jesus said, did I choose 12 of you? And one of you is a devil. He knew he was being talked to. He didn't listen. Jesus knew he was stealing from the boss. But... He could care less. He was doing his own thing. He had his own thing, what he wanted to do. He was planning to betray Jesus. Jesus was saying, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be betrayed. That's the way he started. Jesus won't say, one of you will betray me. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of wicked people. And they'll kill the son of man and all of that. Judas already had it in his heart. That was supposed to be a warning. Maybe you can get out of it. God, God, if that's a destiny for Jesus, God, Jesus, the devil can pick somebody else, but you have to be ripe for this stuff. And so he was there, he listened. He didn't work, he didn't do anything about it. He kept taking from the money. His heart got so hardened. Even to this, the day of supper, the Lord's supper, and Jesus made it specific on that day, one of you will betray me. He was sitting there like everyone was saying, am I the one? Guess what Judas did himself? Am I the one? (laughs) But he knew inside him that he was the one. But notice, at that time, Satan had not come into him yet. You remember that? Jesus took the bread, put it in whatever they were, and gave it to him. And as soon as he ate it, what what did the Bible say? Satan entered into him that was but he was right for it all along but the devil had no access until he accepted it and immediately he was anointed but the funny thing is when it becomes hopeless that's when your eyes get cleared after jesus was taken and he had to be killed judas senses came back but he was too late and that's the way the devil works and so, Judas destroyed himself. Yeah. That's one man I know for sure you are not going to see in heaven. No doubt about it. Judas is not there. But it was a demon that came into him. He started all the way back there. 
because of the stubbornness in his life. The one I want to focus on tonight, to be fast, is, is Saul. How many of you remember King Saul? King Saul was a very humble man, but he didn't care much about spiritual things. He was a little careless about spiritual things. He did things in his, his own way. That's what the problem is. When you want to do your thing and you're not going to listen to the, but anyone, he wouldn't listen to the man of God. He wouldn't even listen to the prophet. If you don't listen to your pastor, especially if they mean well, something is going to come at you and it's, going to be, it's not going to be very good for you. It's just the way it is. Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 4. I believe in Hebrews chapter 3. Please don't turn there. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 is talking about if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Goes to chapter 4, chapter verse 7, and then verse 15. He's saying, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You know what hardness of heart is? When you have been spoken to, okay, and you refuse to heed, your heart gets hard. Right there. That's what happens to pharaoh every time he says thus says the lord okay and he says who is the lord i'm not going to listen the next sentence you read his heart gets hardened every time so when you hear the word and you refuse to act on it you're stubborn you're going to pay the price now saul in 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 um, first samuel chapter 13 God told, when Saul was in the battle, it was clear to all of the Israelites, you don't sacrifice unless you, you don't make sacrifice unless you are a priest. You're not supposed to do that. Everyone knew that. David knew that. Even as king, you can't do it. Only the priests and the prophets can make, you know, burnt offerings to the Lord. You can't do that unless that's your place. They all understood that. But when you are careless and stubborn, you won't listen. You do what is not right. You're, when God, God gave them specific instructions, in the time of Aaron, God told them, put the meat on the altar. Don't put any fire. I'll put the fire on there. Well, Aaron's sons proceeded to help God. Guess what happened to them? They both died that same day. Uzzah put his hand on the ark. They knew better. You don't do it. You don't help God. He died on that day. So Saul knew you don't do that. But he's careless about spiritual things. He'll do things in his own way just to impress his friends. Danger. Just to be like the rest of them. That's what destroyed Saul. He said, Saul, Simon said, I'm coming in and I'll make the sacrifice before you go to war. But Simon was a little late and Saul saw his guys moving. And he wanted to go on to war. So he, he said, I forced myself. And he did what should never be done. He, he killed an animal and offered the sacrifice. As soon as he got through doing it, you see, God's going to test you what you're going to do. Are you going to be stubborn or you do right? As soon as he finished the sacrifice, here was Samuel. He just got through, Samuel came in. and said, what have you done? He said, well, the guys were living and I forced myself to do this. And God said, to Samuel said, you shouldn't have done that. You did something foolish. Now your kingdom will not be forever. And God wasn't saying your son is not going to come after that. But your kingdom is not going to be forever anymore. 
It's just going to last for a while and it's going to be over. Maybe God gave him a second chance. Second Samuel chapter 15. God said, kill all the Amalekites. Don't spare any one of them. Kill all of them. Samuel, uh, Saul was still okay at this time. The spirit of God was still on Saul, even though he had made a mistake in the first time. But God was going to see if he would go back and do what's right and cease to be stubborn. And so he said, kill the Amalekites, all of them, and give him specific instructions. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He was going to impress his friends with his stubbornness. He kept Agag for a trophy. See how great I am. That's the king of the Amalekites. And then all the animals, his friends, he kept all the animals and he rationalizes all the animals we are keeping for the sacrifice to God. He thought he was being spiritual, but that wasn't the instruction. And so when Samuel came, Samuel just plainly told him, God has already found somebody else. God has found somebody else. Let me read to, the, to you First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 to 23. So it says, so Samuel said, has, because he was talking about sacrifice to God. He says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying his voice. He wants you to obey his voice. Listen to your pastor. Well, listen to the man of God in your life. Listen to your parents, especially your parents. Those things are very important. As to the voice of the Lord, behold, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the uh, fat of rams. For rebellion, that was the key thing in Saul's life. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When you rebel against your, the authority over your life, guess what you are practicing in the sight of God? Witchcraft. That's what it is. You're dealing with demons. And then it says, and stubbornness is as iniquity as idolatry. And when you are stubborn, guess what you do? You might as well go carve. A, a, a piece of wood, put it in your house, kneel before it, and say, Dear God, and worship an idol. When you're stubborn, you are, that's what you're doing. Young people, that's what you're doing. You don't think that's what you're doing, but in the mind of God and all the demons, that's what they see you doing. They have a right into your life now because you're stubborn. Stubbornness is like idolatry. That's what it is. Notice, right after this, Samuel was grieving for Saul, and God said, stop grieving for Saul. Go and get, that's the next chapter, go and find me David. He is going to be next after this guy. I don't have any use for this guy anymore. But guess what happened in the next uh, chapter, chapter 16, verse 14. It says, but the spirit, they got David, but now what's happening to Saul? But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. See, the spirit was gone. Did you get the point here now? Stubbornness opens you up for demonic oppression. And if you are really stubborn, won't listen, and others know there is a stubbornness about you, guess what's behind it? You think you're just being stubborn or being headstrong. You, there's a demon at work in your life. And if you stay with it, it's going to kill you. 
eventually it's going to kill you. You're going to find yourself because demons, they recognize each other. You know, wherever you go, they can see other demons. They know. Hey, have you seen how people who like to gossip get in the church and cause trouble? And you got a hundred people. Before you know, they are talking to one another in the corner and you wonder, how did they find themselves? I've seen that here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm wondering, how, my God, how did, they, how did they come together? Who told them? But somehow, they just come together. So you begin to find people of the same nature, and before long, you are in a group heading for destruction. Why? Because demons are planning to destroy you. So that's very important. Amen? So watch out for that. Then some other things you need to watch in your emotional life. Mood swings. Uh, Sometimes hot, sometimes cold. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mood swings. You know, they're happy one minute, and you turn around, he's crying. And you, what happened? Just a little incident. They get from so happy, and all of a sudden, they are happy, everything is fine. One minute, the next minute, they are angry, raging, and yelling, and screaming, and you say, oh my God, what happened here? How many have seen something like that? (laughs) Mood swing. You know, I I think Angela, I don't know if Angela was me, I was listening listening to Creflo Dollar. And ladies, you don't have, you have to watch, you know. Okay? <laughs> you know, Creflo Dollar, uh, he said his wife, when he gets to that sometime in the, at the, in the month, she just gets, she gets way, you know, and she gets real crazy act up, scream and yell and all of that, and make the house really miserable for everybody. And then when she comes down, and she'll say, well, uh, it's that time of the month. So one day she did, and Krefler said, you better watch for this time of the month. This thing's going to stop. We can't tolerate that in this house. I understand it, but this is getting too much. Something is not right here. She's like, uh uh-huh. She took control fought that took that took it care of you heard that message took care of it in the home she gave up on the door saying this is the reason why i am like this and the enemy took advantage of it and was causing trouble for the pastor and the church (laughs) because of that time of the month (laughs) mood swings are very important if you see somebody up happy but they're sad immediately just little things it's not normal and you notice it there is a demonic force there that's not the way god created his children amen and we need to take control and let god deliver us amen you know then there is depression christians are not supposed to be depressed depression can come you can feel that way sometimes you know i know it's a medical thing okay sometimes we're medical everything but when, when it doesn't make sense, okay, when it doesn't make sense, when things come at us and it's rough, 
We get down. I can understand that. But when it doesn't make sense, you are constantly, you know, then there is, we might medicate, but also look to the fact that there may be a route that caused it and open up so that you can be delivered. Let me tell you something. One of the ways that demons enter into people, and I've read about this and know about this, is during the moment of weakness, during the moment of grief. Some people, maybe their wife or their husband or somebody in the family, their child, they, they, they start grieving, and then for some reason, they can never get out of it. It's been years after what happened, we're told, during that moment of weakness. And there is a, there is a reason for you to be depressed. So the enemy takes advantage of that, convinces you it's okay for you to feel this way. You understand what I'm saying? And so he comes in, and then from then on, your life is destroyed. And you don't know how to come out of it. Now there is medication. You try one, it doesn't work. You go to the next one. And your life was okay until this time. Now your life is being destroyed. And your money, everything is going. That can't be the will of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not the will of God. Suspect the enemy. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But he didn't say we won't have difficulties, right? He says, my joy I give to you. How can you have Jesus' joy and then be depressed? It doesn't make sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't have Jesus' joy delivered to you as a child of God, and then you are depressed for how many days, of 10 months of the year, you are down. That's not normal. Medication is okay, but seek deliverance. Amen? So that's very important. Then there is a suicidal thoughts. You need to watch. If you're constantly thinking to kill yourself, this is a murderous spirit, and he's going to give you a reason why you are so down and you should do this. And if it constantly reoccurs, you know you have a demonic force. Deal with it. Call somebody. Ask, tell them. Put it, bring it to light. Amen? Everything that is brought to light is light. And then once it comes out in the light, Satan cannot comprehend it. He's got to go. So bring it to light. Amen? Then self, self-loathing. Just, just not liking yourself. It, it, it's not normal. You know what Jesus commands? Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you can't love yourself, then it's unnatural. Something is not right. So find out what is this? Is this a generational thing? Why am I like this? What's going on? How come I don't like myself? And you may say, well, it's because of the way I look. And sometimes you see these individuals, they look okay before everybody. But they have very low self-esteem. Why? Because there is a demonic force that's constantly lying to them, telling them that God doesn't love you, nobody loves you, you are not good, you're ugly, you're all of that kind of stuff. Why do you have to believe that? You can be happy, you know I mean? So look for help so you can get out of them. You're not supposed to loathe yourself. As a Christian, that shouldn't be the case. Confusion. You know, you're confused about everything in life. That's another reason to say something is not right here. And then sudden rage. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, we are Latinos. Excuse me, guys. <laughs> we are red-blooded. He runs in our veins. No, you're lying. <laughs> Deal with that demon. Amen? I had a friend that he says, uh, he, I'm Puerto Rican. 
we just like this. He says, you lie, fellow. <laughs> All Puerto Ricans don't get angry. He says, yeah, that's true. Good luck. He, he, he runs in our veins. And I know the devil is the one that's running in your veins. It's not, it's not Puerto Ricans. I'm sorry. Let's cast out this evil spirit. Amen. It's not, it's not, it, it, God didn't create one race to be angry and another race to be loving and happy. Does it make any sense? It's wrong. But that's, what, that's the lie the devil wants them to believe so that they won't drive him out. Amen? So he can have rest in their lives. But refuse the lie, stay with God, and then you're free. And then you have no progress. Anything that you touch doesn't work. You try this, it doesn't work. You try that, you work. nothing works. Suspect a demon. God's family, sure. Would you all give me a little bit of time so I can finish this tonight? Amen? I need some time. Just need to finish this tonight. So that's another thing. We've talked about rage and anger. Excessive anger constantly. You know, my wife and I, we were talking about this today uh, while we were at the restaurant. The home is peaceful. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't fight. We disagree. But we don't have this great great you know upheaval it's like constantly going on in the home uh, we do disagree when we were younger in marriage before we gained understanding we had a lot of that but i was telling angel i'm glad the kids were younger then <laughs> when we were about to kill each other right oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and then I, I we discovered this is not god something is not right you know what i mean and then start making the home peaceful because God does not walk in the presence of confusion. When there is chaos, God's not there. And if you're looking for prosperity in your home and there is chaos, demons are really at work in your home and in your lives. You got to take a hold of it. So that's so important. You can't just be angry constantly in the home and there is confusion in the home. So you got to think about those. Then there is a religious spirit. I didn't realize this about religious spirits. You know, every, some people, you know their lives going down, but they are always amening. Amen and glory to God. Yes, glory to God. And then you say, wow, wonderful. And then they are as mean as the devil. <laughs> yeah. They can be mean to you one minute. And yell at you and scream at you and really act bad. And then the next minute, ooh, glory. Are you there? Huh? What? Uh, uh? Those are the people, if they come to church, their Bibles. I mean, if you have a big Bible, don't worry about it. But usually they have the biggest Bibles. <laughs> and, and then if you want to wear a cross... It's not this little cross. It's occupying the whole It's a huge cross. And every other word is amen. Glory to God. But when you go to their home, they are as mean, I'm telling you, mean people. No conscience. They'll take advantage of you real quickly and think nothing about it. That's a religious spirit. You're wondering, how can he do this and preach and do all of this? <laughs> if, you re if you go to the Bibles, if you mark your Bible, please don't, don't 
further. It, it, it depends on what's going on. But everywhere is marked. Marked, you know, the crossing. And they like you to see what I have read through the Bible. And you hear them, I've read the Bible seven times. I read it seven times in a year. And say, okay, give me John 3.16 or uh, give me John 3.17. Uh, what was that? <laughs> they don't remember anything. He, he just all to boast and get people to notice, but it's not there. That's a religious spirit. And it's, believe me, a religious spirit is the meanest spirit you want to deal with. It's evil. It's the religious spirit that took Jesus to the cross. Took Jesus to the cross. I had to deal with a guy in Georgia who had this. And I, I had already known that when I, when I saw him. I already knew, I knew that he had a problem because I saw the signs of all these big crosses and big Bibles. And I, I knew, but I wouldn't say anything until this day he had a problem. They called me. You needed to have been there. The manifestation was so great. He wound up in the hospital that night. They told me he was going to die. The doctors actually told us this is the end of him. And I just turned my head and said, they're lying. He's, he's just, I knew it was a manifest. All the signs were there. The doctor said, did you understand that he's going to die? I told the guys he's not going to be dying. It's okay. The next day he was fine. Another doctor said, I don't know where they got all of those signs. But I know why. The demons were doing that. We had to deal with him. When we were praying for him to get rid of that, those demons, he was like he was going to die. It was, that's a, an evil spirit. Amen? Haunted dreams and, you know, sexual dreams. I'm being very open to you. Uh, if your dreams are always in, in sleep, your sexual things going on in the sleep, you're with somebody, especially if you seem to have this constant dream and seeing just about the same person, you have a demon in your life. They consider you their mate. I've dealt with that in Houston here, and I've dealt with that a lot in Nigeria. Uh, there's a sexual spirit there, and something's going on. Sometimes it's more graphic than you want to know. It's really bad. Sometimes the person's life is taken to the point, Angela told me of a friend, when it's happening, you know it. There is a demonic spirit. And uh, the result of that is the, the possibly you can have a child. There's fighting in the marriage. You can end up in divorce. I had a lady that told me, I want my husband. This thing will kill us. He won't let my marriage, but I want to stay with my husband. So I had to get rid of that demon. And uh, just to let you know, I've been through deliverance. Many times I do that. You understand? So it's not a thing that to neglect. And uh, I'd like my wife to come and share with you. His mom. I told him I'm not his mother. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is very serious now. Um, we're talking about generational curses. In my situation, he was a spirit husband. You know, some people might have things that were passed from your generation, maybe divorce runs in your family. Like Pastor was saying, there's always, you know, there's anger, there's alcoholism, there's, you know, sexual immorality. It could be in any, any form. My grandmother, um, she was the local palm reader 
and she was the one people came to to tell them you know what will happen to them in the future and this spirit gave her those powers it was passed to her too you know, by her own grandmother and uh, when it was given to her she was told she could only have one child and that that child would have nine children and the last daughter of her child would be the one she would transfer that spirit to um, so of course even before i was born you know the devil already marked that i would be the one so when i was born i was the last daughter of my mom she had nine children and immediately, immediately i was born she told my mother this is this is the one and they, you know ignorance they didn't know any better so they took me to her and she dedicated me to the spirit and i grew up um, being told you have a spirit husband and as I, I think at the age of six, seven, eight was when I noticed the presence always with me when I lay down to sleep at night. And he would lay down there, but never really tried to hurt me or do anything you know, to me. And that went on, and I could never really explain it to people because nobody would understand it. And I went to a boarding school, an all-girls Catholic boarding school. And it was terrible because, you know, at night we had little twin beds and I would sense, know the presence was there, so I would stay on the very edge of the bed and sometimes fall off. And people would say, why don't you lay in the middle of the bed? And I couldn't explain to them why. And so I finished college, uh, the high school, uh, the boarding school, and I went into the university. And that first year was when I got saved. And when I got saved, I uh, went to uh, the, the guy who was in charge of the let him know I have this problem. And he didn't know what to do. He said, I've never heard about that before. I don't know what to do. Okay, let's pray for you. And he prayed for me. And from that day, this spirit was started to comment me. Because he now knew I had revealed what was going on, but really, he didn't deal with it. So he kind of was angry. And one of the things he did was he made
thing that kind of is and you think you're not growing spiritually or there might be even if you just just might be it's better to take care of it than you know to be in wavering just come let us we have a system we probably we use to take care of this we have like a, a worksheet you'll go through and different things you will check and then we'll pray with you and help you get rid of these things because they really they do exist and those that we've worked with in the congregation they can attest to the fact we don't tell people who we've worked with you will know nobody's gonna know but it's just to make you know that you have somebody you can have us to come to to help you get rid of these things if they are in your life or if they were in your family so that you can be the one now standing in the gap making sure it doesn't go any further from now on amen Thank you. <clears throat> what happened on that day is, uh, I think Angela will recall, uh, I was sleeping on one side of the bed. That was our first night of coming together. And I woke up in the morning and Angela said, you remember, you, you were here. And I said, no. She said, yeah, but you were lying right here. I said, no, I'm, I didn't lie there. I was on this side. And she kept insisting, but you were here. There was a presence here. I knew what it was. What it was is this spirit was challenging me that you're not the husband. I am the boss. So I said to him, listen, you remember we went to the altar? That's my wife. From now on, you're going to leave. It's over. The game is over. And uh, we're going to fight. You're going to leave. I am the boss. Uh, uh, You don't have any rights in this family. Uh, Pastor prayed over us. When we were, okay, so you're going to go. And we dealt with it. And uh, he's gone. You really can't, if, if he was still there, we can't have children now. It's just not going to happen. We're constant. The marriage cannot be the way it is today. It's going to be very rough. I knew the implication. I dealt with it months of a lot of time. So as soon as, she didn't even tell me. I already knew what it was. And then I was mad. I was angry. That he challenged my authority over my wife on the night of my wedding. We're going to fight. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus gives victory. Amen. So the thing that we're saying is these things are real. We're not just telling you these things are real. And you can be helped if you want to be free. It's so important. You have to want it. You have to want it. Then I'll go one stage and then give me permission and I will share what to do. I'm not going to be long, but tell you how to free yourself or find somebody to free you. And Angela, I had this thing written, generational curses. We can take you through it and so that your life can be free. One thing that happens when those things leave you, your hunger for God increases. And then you can understand spiritual things and scriptures and tie scriptures together. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit then begins to teach you and to bring things together. Amen? Now, the last thing I want to talk about is being sickly. Okay? You have to understand that demons can cause people to be sick. Demons can cause cancer. And you can speak to the spirit of cancer... And the life-giving spirit that is giving the life to that cancer will die. 
I know cancer because we did research on cancer. It's two lives in a person, okay? There is the cancer life and then there is the human life. If one lives, the other one dies. Do you understand? If one spirit lives, the other one is going to die. And so the cancer has a life of its own. If you use medicine, you can use medicine to try to destroy that life. But meanwhile, it's destroying your own life at the same time. If God, by God's grace, you can live and outlive this cancer. And while you destroy it with medicine, and it may be gone. But unless by God's grace, you might get attacked again. Now, one thing that God gave to me, and he was speaking to me tonight, one knowledge that God gave to me, and I've seen a lot of miracles in my life, and I still believe God, it's really hard because you are constantly wanting to stay and remind yourself what God is giving to you. But long ago, I, God gave me this revelation about Pharaoh, and Moses went before Pharaoh. Remember that? And he said, God said, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh said, who is that God? And Moses threw his rod on the ground. You remember that? And Pharaoh said, big deal. Hey, magicians, come over. Show him. You remember that? They also threw their rods on the ground. And what happened to their rods? They became snakes. Well, question is, did God do that? Who was behind the magicians turning a stick into a live snake? You say, well, maybe it wasn't a live snake. Well, God said they were live snakes. Right? They were live snakes. They had eyes, right? And crawled around, right? So, if the devil can use his people and produce a snake... What makes you think he can produce a, a cell in your body that is not the normal cell? They got a snake. They made frogs. They turned water into blood, right? Get understanding. That's why the Bible says how the Holy Ghost anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing how many? All who were what? Oppressed of the devil. Sickness is really satanic oppression. That's why Jesus died spiritually to free us from a physical thing. Because sickness is really spiritual. That's why the Bible says by his stripes we were healed. Now he could be a headache and you have a reason for it. But really behind it is a demon. Maybe not all the, I don't have all the full understanding. But if it's not making sense, I will start fighting a demonic force and refuse that. Regardless, you're not going to take my life. I'll live. And so when you hear me say in church, cancer is not going to come in this body, it's not like I'm bragging. All I'm saying, I'm making my confession of faith so that they won't attack my life. That's all I'm doing. And I do that for my children because everything starts in the spirit realm. So I need to use a few scriptures so I'll go through this quickly and then I'll talk about how to be, to be delivered. In Luke chapter 13 verse 16, it says, Jesus says, So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, uh, think of it, 
for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Magically, she was covered over and Jesus healed her. And Jesus said it was a devil that did that. Let me read another scripture, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. So the demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Notice what this scripture is not saying is Jesus actually cast out the demon. And the man could both speak and he, he could see. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 and 33. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, how did Jesus heal him? He cast out the demon. The mute spoke. It was mute and demon-possessed. The demon was cast out, and the mute spoke. And the multitude marveled, saying, it was never seen like this in Israel. Mark chapter 9, verse 25 through 27. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out. Now he was deaf and dumb, but he cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. So basically, there are spirits. Uh, uh, the demon is responsible for it, even though you see ordinary sickness. He's deaf. The doctor will tell you, well, the eardrum is not well developed. There's a spirit behind it. And so you cast out the demon, and the person is healed. Amen? Now, let me go quickly what to do. First thing, Nobody can bring deliverance into your life unless you agree that you got a problem and you want to be free. You have to know there is a problem and be aware of it, acknowledge it, that yes, I have a problem. God, I need your help and I want to be free. If you don't desire to be free, nobody can free you. Especially as a Christian. If you're making excuses for this thing, okay, whatever it is, well, it's because I'm this, well, it's because, well, it happens to everybody else, that thing is not going to leave. Because he's convinced you that this is what's going on, so you have a place, he, he has a place in your life. So for you to be free, first of all, you must know that you have this problem, and if you know you can handle it, and you really want to be delivered from it, then seek somebody. Or go find a place yourself and start to help yourself. I think when I went into deliverance at first, I, I, you know, I didn't understand why in some instances it was so easy. I started praying and that thing is gone. And, and then other times it took me days and I couldn't help the person. Sometimes the person is not even aware of what the problem started to be willing. And so God will give a word of knowledge. So I ask a question, what happened to you when you were so, so, so plain and because something just got in your mind? And they'll say, yeah, I remember that. This, this, and this happened, okay? Would you confess that and let go? They say yes. They confess it and it's ready to go. The person is free. But as long as you're giving it protection, excuse, making an excuse for it, you, you stay the same way. 
But if you take yourself off and say, well, I want God. I'm going to confess it. I want to be free. You can be free. I remember praying for God and uh, over many days, uh, probably over a week, two weeks, she'll always come. And, and she, she will sit down and I'll pray. I can't even put my hand on her because she almost crawled under the chair or under the bed, wherever we were. She says, your hand burns like fire. And Pastor Paul was with me doing this. And we went on, on, and on every day. I was wearing myself out. Sometimes I lose my voice because I screamed, the devil wouldn't go. I talked softly, the devil wouldn't leave. She would swirl and do all of that, fall on the floor, roll, but he wouldn't leave. And I, I was frustrated. So one day, early in the morning, she was there again for deliverance. And I was really exasperated by this. I sat down and frustrated. So I, she sat down, and I sat down, and I'm saying to God in my heart, and I said, God, what's going on? Why can't I get this devil out of this girl? And the Lord told me, she's not willing. And you know how you talk to the Lord before you realize you're talking to the Lord because you're frustrated? You yell back at him, you know? And then you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that, you know? I yell back at him and said, like, well, how can you tell me that she's not willing? She comes every day, and she's looking, and she's, he just quietly, gently told me she's not willing. Okay? And all of a sudden, she started boasting. She said, I know all the people that come to your Bible study, all of them are not good people. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, who are the good people? She picked everyone <laughs> among the people that came that were not saved. He said, those ones are not good people. I said, who are the good people? Pastor Paul and this person and that one. Those were the ones I knew were already saved. So she, she said, I, I, I said, how did you know that? She says, he tells me. So I knew she was boasting. She enjoys it. So what she didn't want, she didn't want the torment. She wanted me to help him with the torment, but she didn't want to go all the way. So I immediately knew from my words, right after I talked to the Lord, that she didn't want to be free. She wanted this thing back to a point. So if you don't want to go all the way, they're not going anywhere. If you still want to enjoy the company, your friends, or whatever it is, they know, and they're not going to leave. And she boasted, and she started telling me all these things. And all of a sudden, out of frustration, I told her, but the Lord speaks to me also. And all of a sudden, the first time I saw a a demon, because God showed it to me, what the spirit was like. And so I asked her, uh, he has a real long flowing hair. uh, hair. And so I said, uh, what's it about his hair? Uh, So I did this, so she knew I knew. She jumped from my chair. How did you know that? I said, well, you say he tells you. He tells me also. So let's go this boasting way. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I let her go. I, I, the mother came. The brother came begging, please help. I said, I can't. Tell her to be willing and it will be easy. The first brother was of school, mate of mine, Joseph by name. He says, good luck. Help me. Help me. Free my sister. I said, Joseph, you remember? Who you talk? I'm not a witch doctor. Good luck. This is good luck. Remember your friend? Good luck. That's that's who I am. I I don't have any magic, no power. Your sister is not willing and she can be free. If you're not willing, nobody can free you. If you make excuse for it, you you stay that way until he destroys you. Now, this is the way to handle it. 
first thing you must do, acknowledge it before God. If it was your, if it's a generational thing, ask God to forgive your parents for their ignorance. Ask God to forgive you for allowing it into your life, for whatever thing you've done in participation. You don't excuse anything. And then the next thing you must do is renounce it. Basically, to renounce it is to basically say, I do not want anything to do with you. And I'm speaking before God. From this very day, I want nothing to do with you anymore in my life. You got to go. You got to do that. You have said it with your own mouth. Just like by faith, you believe in your heart and you say it with your mouth. And you are saved. The same principle holds. You must believe it in your heart. And then you must say it with your mouth openly. If you can say it loud, it's better to say it loud so they hear. And then you let them know, I mean business. I don't want you in my life. You're leaving me today. Every time that's happened, they live just like that. They live so easily. And sometimes before you even get through the confession... We've seen that, Angela. Before they say it with their mouth in the confession, they are already living. The manifestation is begun. They start going. It gets so easy. If you are a Christian, it's just an easy thing. You allow them in. Now you are telling them. You are giving them quick notice. You know what that is? And you say, today is the day you're living. I got you quick notice here. I don't want you anymore. You got to go. If you do that, and then if you are alone... You have a question? Yes. Well, the thing is, the the reason God gave you understanding, okay, is because he wants you, you are the chosen one for that, your family line, to now begin to bring godly seed. That's why he gave you the understanding. You can put an end to it. But you need to confess, like Daniel did, the sins of his father. You understand what I'm saying? You go back and confess and say, God, they were ignorant. Please forgive us and all of that. Now I'm your child. I know better. Would you forgive us and forgive my family? After you do that, then you speak to them. They leave you and they never go to your children. Okay? That's the key. You can break it. I'm first generational. It's not going to my kids anymore. What happened then cannot continue. Now we can raise godly seed. And you, lady, you have the power. You don't need a pastor. If you can't handle it, the manifestation is strong, then call for pastor. Because the Bible says, these signs shall follow the pastors. Liar, no kidding. These signs shall follow them that. Are you a believer? Say with me, I am a believer. I have the sign. Demons, listen to me. And feel good about it. Amen? (laughs) Feel good about it. Feel good about it. Because God has given you authority over them. So you understand all of the principles. You know what I'm saying? And, and remember, I'm going to repeat the same story to you so you know. Uh, once the person has said no, they can't stay. On, the only way they can stay is to convince you to change your mind. And I may give you pardon, please help, give me some time, okay? Because it's important. I started understanding this uh, when uh, I started thinking, even Jesus cannot come into your life, okay? 
unless you, uh, unless you ask him in. That's God. And if you tell him you don't want him anymore, your life will change the next day. If you really mean it, your life will change. He will start persuading you, this is a mistake you're doing, you're making. You don't want to do this. Because once you do that, he leaves, the devils come in. The devils will come in. But the thing about it is God cannot come into your life without your permission. He persuades you. So the devils persuaded you, you acted, your grandparents, whoever acted, and they deceived them and they let him in. But now you're smart, okay? And you want to, you don't want this tenant anymore. <laughs> you want the tenant to leave. So you give them quick notice. And so they'll leave. I told the story, my wife and I were together in Georgia. And there was this lady that had multiple personalities. Angela was sleeping in the room. And she was talking to these guys who be here, people I called Mama and Papa. And uh, we were visiting with them. And, uh, and we were sleeping in the room. And I was sharing a little girl child, making all the little girl stuff. So I said, where did Mama and Papa get this little girl? So I walked around to go talk to, to see this little girl. I turned around the corner and I looked in the room where they were seated. He was a grown lady, well-dressed. With her legs called up the chair, and she was doing all of this, you know, like kids do. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you. I know. And I said, Huh? <laughs> What's going on here? And I walked in, and they said, Mama and Papa said, We want to introduce you to Tanya. And she looked at me, you know, our children do like. And she said, They said, That's good luck. She said, Your name is Good Luck. And then she started laughing. And I was saying, what have I got in it? What's going on here? And then uh, Angela was sleeping in the room. And uh, so she said, I like you. And I was going, huh? <laughs> okay. And so we talked for a while. So I, I said, excuse me, Mama. I was going to my room to go tell my wife, you want to you wanna see this? It's a strange thing going on. There's a grown woman that's talking like a little girl. It's, I've never seen anything like this. I didn't know anything much about multiple personality. So I went back. Angela, I think, I, I guess Angela would not wake up. So I said, well, I'll leave her alone. So I went back to the room. I went back to the room. And this lady had her legs down, crossed like a lady. And sitting real proper. And I walked in, and Mama and Papa said, uh, Good luck. Uh, here is Celeste. I said, Huh? <laughs> I thought this was Tonya. And she turned to me, It's nice to meet you. And she said, Tonya has talked to me a lot about you. She likes you. I said, but you are the same woman in my head. What's going on here? And and we said, Lord, what are you doing to me? Why did I come to Georgia? What's going on? And she said, I want you to meet uh, uh, one of us. Her name is Sabrina. And I'm going, oh, Lord, what's happening? She said, Sabrina has been abused by men. But Tonya said, you are a nice man. And you won't do that to her. She's a troubled woman. And she needs help. And I think you can help her. I'm going to tell her so that she can come and see you. 
I went back to the room all confused. I'm saying, God, what are you doing? I preached in the church, Pastor Addison Church that night. And then we came back to, we came back the, uh, the following day. That was Sunday. When we got back, Angela, and we saw this lady pacing back and forth and smoking. Back and forth, smoking. And every other word is a four-letter word. The same lady I saw before. And then she walked up to me. Are you good luck? I said, yes. She said, well, Sabrina and Celeste said you're a good man. And four-letter word. I said to come and four-letter word. And I'm going, hey, who, what's going on here? And they said, four-letter word, you can help me. Four-letter word, and back and forth. And I'm saying, God, help me. What have I gotten into? But the only confidence I had, I know is a demon. I can handle a demon. If it's a demon, whatever, if it's called Celeste or whatever, we will deal with that demon when the time comes. So I started talking to her about, I said, yeah, I can help you, but I know somebody can help you. She said, yes. She said, it's a man, he can help you. She says, every man abused me. I said, not this one. This man I'm going to bring to you, introduce to you that will help you. He'll die first before he help you, before he hurt you. She said, really? I said, yes. Do you want to be his friend? She said, yeah, I think I like a man like that. I like him. So we went into the living room. I said, I want to introduce you to the man. He will be your best friend, help you, protect you, do everything, he bless you. And she says, I want that. She, she, she lightened up. But the four-letter words were still coming out. And Angela and I, we held her. For some reason, she understood that. And there's a reason why I'm telling this story. She understood that she don't have to see this man to ask him into her life. So we held hands, and I said, you repeat after me and, and, and tell him to come into your life. I went to the place where he got to the place where she will ask Jesus to be a friend. That's the way I could go at it. And as soon as I said, tell you, I want you to be my friend, and immediately she yanked her hand off my hand and walked up to me almost so close and said, She's mine. Mine. And you can't have her. And I said, turned to Angela, I said, see this woman here? That's my wife. And she did. And right back to my face. And I, she said, I don't want anything with this woman. This is my wife. I don't need her. I said, but she told me with her own mouth. And I heard it. That she wants Jesus, who created her, to be a friend. And then I stopped for a while and then I said, but who are you? And immediately she went to the floor and was reading. And I said, I'm you out of this woman today. And fought with it hard. They were telling me, don't go too far because he will hurt her. I was, if you let me off, I was so mad. It would have been a real fight. A, a, Yes, a real fight. That I was angry. I was really, really angry. But they said, don't call the names. I said, well, we should, whatever demon spoke to me, I'm going to get him out. He's going to be out. I think we received a letter later. The psychiatrist that she was seeing in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, wrote and said, what happened? What did you do to her? She's changed. Who, who is this good luck? Where did he get this stuff? Because you're dealing with demons. But the point is, once it comes out of your mouth that you don't want them, they're gone. 
You understand? I don't care if it, even if it's a generational curse. If you turn your life around and you begin to say, I want Jesus and I don't want you anymore. I don't want this spirit of poverty. Whatever it is, they're going to live your life. But you got to believe. When you start praying and there is manifestation and you can't handle it, call somebody. But when you speak to them, speak with authority. I, I yell. Amen. When I'm doing it. Because I've heard demons are he hard of hearing. So I yell. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Stand up with me tonight. How many believe they can handle it? Demons. Every one of us. Yes. So you can free yourself because God is giving you the tools. Amen. If there's something happening in your life, it doesn't make sense. This is the way to attack it. Confess whatever you've done and then begin to speak to it. If you're persistent, they will leave. You know, sometimes you tell the tenant to leave. They don't want to leave. Get the police. Whatever you can do to let them, they, eventually they'll leave your life. Let's raise our hands up to the Lord tonight. And give him glory and thanks because he has said he's giving you power and authority over all the powers of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So that's the authority we have. That's why we are grateful. If Jesus didn't come, I couldn't say the things I'm saying today. It would be real trouble for my life. But because Jesus is alive and he's with me, I have no fear. And you should have no fear. Because he is still as big. If he's big in my life, I pray that God is even bigger in your life. Amen. And he's going to use you, every one of you. These young people are going to be demon chasers later. And driving the demons out of their friends. Bringing them to the Lord. And helping them to come to know God. And to follow after God. Let's thank him for the authority that he's given to, to us. Let him know that you are his child. That, you, you, that he loves you. And that you love him. And you have nothing to be afraid of. And that all the stuff the enemy is doing in your life. They are now coming to an end. And a new day has arrived in your life. And in your family. Your children. And everything that you do. Your business. Your job. Everything. God is changing those things right now because God has given you knowledge. You have light. You cannot be kept in darkness anymore. You got light and you must be free. Father, I want to thank you for your word tonight. I gave you praise. I gave you glory. Thank you. You've given us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. That we know. The hope of our calling that we can be free free children of God sons and daughters of God on the earth thank you father for your love in Jesus name and God's people said amen please I want to thank you for being patient with me I went a little long but thank you very much for your patience <laughs>